Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. Even though I am a photographer, I did not study photography in college. What I actually studied, and a lot of people don't know this about me, is I actually studied, well, a conglomerate of things. I started with interior design. But once I did an internship in London studying interior design, I realized that I actually wanted to save the world. And I wasn't sure that interior design was going to be a vessel for that. So I actually switched my major to nutrition. I loved studying nutrition. However, my right brain does not work. And so the whole concept of biology and chemistry, and I just could not, I could not pass Chem 101. And so after a year of having declared my degree nutrition, I decided to switch yet again. However, my passion for nutrition and health has never left me. It's just that I could not get into the biological and like the chemistry side of things. So I absolutely love nutrition. And over the last couple of years, I've been noticing things about my body like migraines and I got uveitis in 2021 and it just recently snuck back up actually. It's so interesting because our body communicates with us every day. And sometimes we listen to it, sometimes we don't. But it's so fascinating to me that as soon as my body starts communicating, whether it's through a migraine or I'm really crabby or I'm bloated or, you know, just something's off, the first thing I go to is what have I eaten? I go to my nutrition, I start eliminating foods, I go back to eating a super clean diet and then see how my body responds to that. So my passion for nutrition is like comes right after photography and business. So I am so excited for today's conversation with Abigail Rose Wellness, Abby Bice. She's here with us today and I'm so excited for her to share her story and more about her business and nutrition. And particularly, I don't know, Abby, if we can get into it or if you've noticed anything, but nutrition in women and in entrepreneurs, like I feel like entrepreneurs, like we don't really have a set timeline. I feel like a lot of us, lunchtime goes out the window. Like we get up and we can actually develop a morning routine that may or may not involve food or fasting. And we can be maybe a little more intentional with our time. But I feel like when I at least was in the corporate world, I was like, well, it's lunchtime. I'm going to go eat lunch, whether I'm hungry or not, it's lunchtime. Or I'm going home. I, I, I'm going to grab something really quick on the way home for dinner. So, I mean, is, is that something that, that you've noticed? I don't know. Maybe I'm just have been totally engrossed in the entrepreneurial world for so long that I just assume everybody operates that way. But maybe I'm out in left field here. Oh, you're right. I think... Coming from working full-time as a physician assistant in private practices, my schedule was very dictated. And so that has been, I think, an amazing transition for me, being able to have the choice of when I eat and getting up and having time to eat in the morning versus rushing out the door and trying to grab something on my way. And you might not be hungry at lunch, but that's the time you get 
I, I really, I value in two ways. I value the intuitive eating, like eating when you are hungry, but also that three meals a day are important for majority of us and especially women and especially uh, women in higher stress careers, like entrepreneurs, um, that breakfast is you often, you know, one of the most important meals of the day. And that can vary person to person, but I would generally say we need breakfast. And so having that time to sit down and enjoy it is uh, huge. I, I've loved that part of this journey for me. <laughs> Well, I also love, and I should mention this morning, I saw on your Instagram that you were out at Red Rocks running the freaking <laughs> steps at Red Rocks. So even just being able to carve out time. And th for, for me, this year is the first year that I've in a very long time, like definitely before have since before having kids have carved out really intentional time to focus on wellness and working out and being stronger. So where you had such a big year, Abby, you and Bradley got married. Yay a couple months ago, but also in tandem with that, you quit your, your full-time job to do this full-time. How was that transition? How has this year been for you? Yeah, this year has been nuts. Um, <laughs> I started, officially started this practice at the end of 2022, but really didn't have anything going until basically early 2023. And I was working full time as a PA and planning our wedding and trying to build this. And so it was a lot. It was a lot. And I was very burned out. And then since our wedding, so I actually I still work part time as a PA right now, two days a week, and we'll see where that goes eventually. But it has been oh, just I it's been so nice just being able to have something that you work so hard at pay off enough to give me this flexibility and actually do something that I love because there's been a while where I haven't loved my work in clinical practice as a PA. And now even two days a week there, I work in an immunology and allergy office and it's still conventional medicine. So I'm still prescribing medications um, and treating people from that, you know, in that conventional kind of platform mindset. But I bring in a lot of my functional discussions and perspectives and I, and I love it. Like I'm not leaving the day feeling as overwhelmed and kind of defeated as I was six months or a year ago. Yeah. That's like, that's super common with burnout. It's just like mm -hmm. that passion is not there. And I think a lot of people experience that, especially the medical industry over the last few years. Absolutely. That's major burnout. But how does that look for you, Abby, having those like almost opposing forces. Like obviously you're not going to ditch Western medicine. It has its role, but specifically mm -hmm. with allergies. So, so little backstory, I think I've told you about my, my uveitis story. Um, last month we were in West Virginia and I got my uveitis started to come up again. And this has been, it's, it's been two years since I had it. I could feel the pain. My vision started going and I was like, no, this cannot happen. I have done everything. I have done everything. And this year I took compared to previous years, 70% less work than I have in the past. And so I was like, there is no way. And it ended up being an allergy triggered uveitis. And I'm pretty sure it was yeah. from like pollen, just being out, out East, very different. And so it triggered my uveitis, but immediately my gut reaction was like, 
no more gluten, no more dairy, no more. Like I already don't eat a lot of that stuff, but I was like, everything's gone. I'm back to raw veggies <laughs> and fruit. But how does that, how does that show up for you? Because working in an allergen correct, like clinic, mm -hmm. do you just desperately want to not prescribe medicine and go, okay, okay, okay. Let's focus on something else first. Like, let's look at the whole picture yeah. here. Not this one silo of here's your symptom. Let's slap a bandaid on it. How, right. how do you balance that? How do you keep yourself? And maybe you don't, but how do you keep yourself in check from being like, like shaking somebody and being like, there's so much more here. <laughs> it is. It's hard. It's, as a little of an identity crisis sometimes. Thankfully, the practice I work in, I would say I do about half of half allergy, half immunology. And so from the allergy side, many times people are coming in with like just your allergic symptoms. And a lot of times they benefit from something like allergy shots, which I'm all for. I think those are, they can be great. And then we can, you, know, you can pair that like how functional medicine pairs often very well with conventional medicine, but you know, you compare it and start to look at like the gut and use more natural treatments versus antihistamines. But like allergy shots is one option that is a cool kind of, it's pretty kind of natural. I mean, you know, you're giving like yourself these increasing doses of, of the allergens of the things you're allergic to. And so that I talk to people about and, people come in with other issues like hives. And that's one where that's a challenge for me because I can treat them and I do in that setting, I have to give them, you know, here's your acute management for these hives. And that's typically conventional medications. And then it gets into that, yeah, that identity crisis of, I want to go into this more and, you know, talk through triggers and talk through the gut and talk through all these other ways to help this person. And usually what I do in that setting is mention functional medicine as in general and just say, you know, there's more you can look at and here I am to give you, get you out of this episode quickly. And here's the conventional medications that we can use to help that. But I do kind of guide people towards the functional. I probably talk about functional medicine a majority of my visits, maybe not directly to what I'm doing, but recommending that. And then on the immunology side, it's, I, it's very complicated patients that we treat who that they need a functional approach. So those, those are the ones where it shines with conventional and functional. Like these are people with immune deficiencies or autoimmune conditions, or just kind of the where you're, you know, you're not meeting diagnosis, but you know, something is wrong. And so I definitely have the conversation of like, let's look at the gut, like let's, and I've, I kind of have done some of that in that setting, but it is pretty hard to do in like short timeframes and staying within like the practice guidelines and things like that. So I usually kind of discuss it. That's the thing. So you specialize in gut and hormone health. Those mm -hmm. are not band-aids. Like these are long games, right? Like you're going to spend at least a couple months or a minimum a few weeks trying to figure out like the initial trigger, but then you also spend months like reintroducing things or okay, we thought it was this, it's not, but ultimately you're at, like in the process, you're healing yourself. You're not just doing a quick fix. But I think, do you feel like that's typically a deterrent for people is 
this is going to take a lot longer than taking a steroid or, you know, doing this injection. I think you have a lot of people I've seen, you almost get desperate enough to need to do this. Like you've done a lot of those things and you're still sick. And the other deterrent is the cost because most functional medicine and functional medicine labs, at least, are not covered typically at all by insurance. And so I find that people have to have to get to a place of almost desperation um, or are, are just knowing with like how know themselves and that they don't want to go down this medication path. And so they're looking for upfront alternatives. But a lot of the people I tend to see is they're at the end of the road. They, they want answers. They've just been passed off or uh, prescribed band-aids and they're not getting better. And they are, they want to look deeper and kind of figure out what's going on at a cellular and biochemical level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you really hit on something where people are just at the end of their rope. Cause I know for me, that's, that's where I was at. And you had mentioned earlier, um, that a lot of entrepreneurship is high stress. And I know for me, um, I mean, I was just at your wedding. I, I, I had the honor, Mike and I had the honor of shooting your and Bradley's wedding. And you can see after being through a wedding, I mean, it is high stakes. It is high stress. There's no like, well, let's just come back tomorrow. Like when the weather's not raining or when there's no storm and it poured, it poured buckets during your all ceremony. It was amazing. It's some of my favorite photos, but there's no do over. And so I know for me and a lot of my friends are wedding photographers and we have this conversation. Um, my therapist was actually the first person to validate it. And I was like, you know, I'm not like cutting into people's brains or anything or doing heart surgery. And she said, no, you're not. But this is a, um, what did she say? There is zero room for error in your career. And I was like, yes, like I cannot have a technical error. I cannot go with a migraine. My kids cannot be sick. I cannot very last minute make an adjustment. I mean, it's a, yeah, there is zero room for error specifically with wedding photography, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs who are in careers where, yeah, there's zero room for error logistically, but also the pressure that we put on ourselves adds that stress of, I really don't have much buffer here to, to make a mistake. Um, it's going to be really hard to recover from that. And that is definitely where my symptoms would show up is the day after a wedding day or on a wedding day was where my symptoms would show up. And so it's been really interesting having shared my story about uveitis because Abby, I've had three other photographers reach out to me and say that they have also had uveitis, which is not, it shouldn't be surprising, right? Like your eye is like, we're constantly taking in information as photographers. We're using our, like everybody uses their eyes, but obviously photographers use it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it was it the, the the conversations have just been really interesting around it. Like, well, what's going on in your life? Why did why is this surfacing? Why is it attacking your eye? Like, so it's just really interesting looking at the whole the whole human body and human experience and whole picture and how these symptoms are really just kind of telling you a story, right? Right. I mean, the, I think functional medicine is shines in in taking that whole person perspective that it's not just your eye and you don't need to just take like a steroid to get rid of the inflammation but you have to look at triggers and what other body systems are dysfunctional 
that's causing these downstream effects and inflammation as a downstream effect and wherever that's affecting. I mean, it is, it is a much bigger story than we tend to think of things. It's not separated by body systems as cleanly as I think conventional medicine likes it to be. So what, what led you down the road of nutrition and wellness and I guess just, yeah, looking at this whole picture, what, what was your journey like and where did that passion come from? I, so I studied, actually I studied as I started in undergrad as pre-med and failed Gen Chem also wasn't wasn't great at that my freaking Chem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the doctors can't pass chemistry. Oh, I hated that class, and uh, <laughs> so I, I love that you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, questioned everything. Decided to maybe do think about business, and eventually got turned around and ended up um, as a nutrition major later in college. And finished out undergrad as a nutrition major and learned about what PAs were and and decided to pursue being a physician assistant. And so Can I ask you real quick? I this yeah. really irked me. When I was in nutrition school, they were still, Abby, using the food pyramid. And oh, I yeah. was like, I'm not an idiot. I know I'm not <laughs> supposed to eat that much gluten or dairy. Why are these so high up? Like and I remember being really pissed off sitting in class. I mean, it was no. So uh, yeah, I was already failing chem, but this was like my <laughs> nutrition classes. And I was like, you cannot tell me that this granola bar is going to sustain me more than like real. F-. So I was really irritated sitting in li- literally learning about the food pyramid like that. That oh, yeah. was a major turnoff in nutrition school. And I my nutrition, it was nutritional sciences which was a prerequisite. It was the the route that dietitians took, or you could end up just as a nutritional science major and go, a lot of people went into like food sciences. Um, but I didn't get a great, I don't, I don't feel like I left with a great understanding of how to eat. Like I didn't go into PA school. That's so sad. Being super healthy or, you know, I understood it was the biochemical, which I love, I actually loved biochemistry. Like that is something that I am good at and I do love, which works well with what I do now. But uh, yeah, I don't think I left having that much, I don't know, knowledge or confidence. Where in. else do you go? <laughs> if it's not a, getting a nutrition degree, where else do you like, it's it's no wonder that like our yeah. general population is so conflicted and confused. Oh my in gosh. PA school too. I mean, there's very little nutrition taught in medical schools or like PA schools. It's, it is not a highlight. We, my PA school did have a nutrition course that was online and very easy to not do. Like they made it very easy to, um, kind of just skip to the exam and you know it was all online like and I remember studying actually trying to do it like trying to study it and trying to take my time with it because I've always loved nutrition and my classmates I remember someone saying to me one time like why are you spending time on that there's tests there's other tests that matter so much more that you actually need to study for you don't even have to study for this you can just click through the answers and you're done and I was like okay I guess you're right like this is a waste of my time and so that was kind of the mindset around it. Like, 
there was nothing else talked about in lectures. It was just this online course we did that was very easy to not put any work into. That is, that's mind blowing to me. And I, it's, it's interesting because functional medicine is, this is not new work, right? Like this is what people did before Western medicine became a thing. So I, I mean, I definitely think that there's an entire like human shift going on right now, but I think functional medicine is pretty high on that shift where it is accessible. And I'm curious, Abby, as an entrepreneur and moving into the entrepreneur world and not, I doubt that you take insurance, right? No. But okay. So, so you had touched on something earlier, like it is, it it can be expensive and it's, it's a luxury to have expendable income to put into working with a nutritionist and somebody who does focus on functional medicine. How do you navigate that? Because you're in an office setting where I'm sure you, that, that your, your PA job, they do take insurance and it's just quick, put a bandaid on it. K love you. Bye. But with what you're doing, it's so important, but you have to navigate that. Like this is really, it's, 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 it's harder to obtain as the general public, right? Like for people who prioritize it, they're going to prioritize it come hell or high water for people who can't or who won't prioritize it. How do you navigate that? Like I always tell people as a photographer, I'm like, well, I'm not saving lives. Like what I do is a luxury, but it's a luxury, but like for you, yeah, you tech, I mean, you could be saving lives. And so how do you, how do you navigate that? Like pricing is already so hard, but whenever you have such a gift and you know, so many people need it. And and I'm not asking like for any reason other than genuine curiosity, like how does that, how does that work for you? How do you, how do you navigate that? It's challenging and it's been hard. It's been an interesting journey finding kind of even the right price point. Functional labs are not covered and those alone are pretty expensive. And then finding Which is such you know, a bummer that it's not I covered. Know. Like it's so preventative. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I do think eventually insurance, I hope will start catching up. Like there is some functional tests that like a SIBO breath test is covered sometimes partially, but a lot of these are not covered. I, you know, I have the discussion, I think people who are newer to functional medicine are usually pretty surprised by the cost because they're used to insurance taking care of health. And it's a mindset shift. I mean, insurance is there as your reactive. I mean, if you get injured, or um, if you are extremely sick, like your insurance is going to cover that hospital visit. And that's, you know, we have amazing care in hospitals. But I think we have to shift our mindset away from insurance is not going to cover our preventative care. And that's on us. And so we need to put in the work and the finances up front for long-term benefit. Because if you're on medication for 40 years, you're going to be paying for that medication for 40 years. And you're going to be paying for the impact on your quality of life or whatever disease state. And you have the ability to kind of modulate, you know, that future, that path. So I think it's getting people that perspective is a big piece of this and just kind of introducing to them the the functional labs and what you're getting out of it. I mean, you get so much more out of something like this than you do just going to the doctor's office. Right. I, I well, you, you have an actual partner, like somebody to support you in your journey. And 
thank goodness, like you're like, you're not seeing 80 patients a day. So you have the time and space and energy to really dedicate to people who, who need you and who, who need that support. Um, I was talking with my uncle after I switched to a plant-based diet and plant-based diets are not like widely accepted in West Virginia. I love my home state, but like it's a meat and potatoes kind of state and especially the family that I grew up in. We were meat and potatoes people. And so switching to a plant-based diet really kind of shook people. But my uncle was really supportive. He actually lives in California. So he was really supportive. And he said, he said to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, your health is the number one most important thing. You'll, you will either pay for it now by buying organic produce and taking actions and working with, um, you know, a functional medicine doctor or just doing preventative stuff now, signing up for the yoga, even though it's expensive, sign up for the yoga, or you can pay for it later. Only it's going to be way more painful, probably way more expensive if you pay for it later. Regardless, you end up paying for your health. Which path do you want to take? And I was like, you're so right. You're so right. And that I will never forget him saying that because I mean, we were like on the fence about like, do we buy organic? Do we not? It doesn't really matter. And then we, we like learned about the dirty dozen and we were like, oh yeah, I mean, we can at least like slowly step into buying organic dirty dozens. That's easy enough. But yeah, like to me, that, that was the biggest mindset shift was I'm I'm either going to pay for it now or later, and it's going to be way more expensive and painful. The, the, the latter route. And a lot of this too, you do not have to be perfect. Like that, I cannot emphasize to people enough that you, you can be imperfect, but you, and you, you should be empowered. I mean, that's, that's what I want to give to people is you deserve to have the information and the education to make choices that might be better or worse for your health. So like alcohol is not good for your health. That is not going to be good for you. And that is a toxin, but I love wine. I absolutely love it. So for me, that is one thing that I, I still drink wine. It's not, you know, I know that's not good for me, but I make other choices that kind of mitigate that toxin. And if I'm going through like a healing protocol, or if I'm dealing with something, then that might change. And I probably won't be drinking alcohol. But there's other things like if gluten, you know, if you not every single person has to avoid gluten. There's a lot of situations where it's going to be much better for you to avoid gluten. But if you generally tolerate gluten and you love like a piece of sourdough, then again, if that's bringing you joy, I am all for incorporating these things that aren't necessarily making you perfect, but give you joy because that's at the end of the day. I mean, we have one life to live and you need to be making good conscious decisions and knowing what's good and bad for you, but you don't have to be perfect. And you can make these, you can, you can deviate a little bit and it shouldn't be harmful once you get to a place of good balance. Sometimes it's getting there that allows you to make these choices. I love that you touched on the perfectionist thing because I feel like a perfectionist, like not, not in all areas of my life, but definitely with food. And I think that comes from a history of an eating disorder is I do love sourdough. I have so much sourdough starter in my house and I love baking with sourdough and I I just love baking. Gluten doesn't really seem to bother me, but I've also never like completely cut it out long enough to, to notice, but Mm -hmm. 
it's but that perfectionist mindset where if I had, you know, three pieces of sourdough that day, I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, I start to beat myself up and shame myself over it. So I love that you point out that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to have that that beautiful balance. And something that you touched on, I think that the empowerment is so critical because the education of nutrition and of commercial industries, it's rocking the Western world. And the more empowered and educated you can be about your own health, like not John Doe's, not your sisters, not your moms, not your husbands or your wives or your partners, your own health is going to really rattle, you know, the the medical world. Like I, I mean, I can I went into my my doctor during pregnancy. And I was like, listen, my migraines are unbearable. And she was like, well, here, I can give you like, here's, here's a whole bunch of samples of medicine. And I was like, I'm not taking this while I'm pregnant. And then I wasn't pregnant. You know, like once I had had my kids, my migraines were still showing up so often. And it was really starting to be alarming. And so naturally I was like, I have a brain tumor instead of just going, you know what, maybe I'm a little overworked. I think I'm a little stressed. Maybe there's some trauma I haven't worked through. And then also the nutrition side of things. And so whenever I went back to her and I said, listen, my migraines are not subsiding. I, she said, well, here's, here's the medicine that I can give you. And I was like, I don't want the medicine. And for me to tell (laughs) my doctor, I'm not taking that. What are my alternatives? What lab tests can I have done? Can I go to the doc? Like, can I go to the hospital and just do a walk in blood test? Like what, what are my options? And I could tell that it kind of either, I don't know if it irked her or not, but she was just like, well, I don't know. She like handed me a pamphlet for a nutritionist. And I was like, thank you. And so it felt really good to go into a doctor's office and say, I'm not taking that. I'm not doing that. And I did the same thing with the uveitis specialist I was seeing in Colorado Springs. He was awful, just like an awful overall human. I felt like Um, terrible bedside manner. And all about just like, take the steroid, take the steroid. Take right. the st- and I was like, okay, obviously this is an inflammatory response. If there's inflammation in my body, I need to know about it. What are my options? And I mentioned acupuncture. And I actually told this story on an interview with Jackie with Two Roots, uh, Two Roots Acupuncture, who is my acupuncturist here in the Valley. And I said, I'm, I'm doing acupuncture. And he was like, that's cute. That's like taking a Windex bottle to a bonfire. And Mike was like, no, it's like removing the firewood. And I was so glad that I had Mike on my side and like supporting me yeah. uh, because this guy just like, he did not want to see it. And so I I started asking him questions like, what else could be, could this be linked to? Like, where can I fo- like, where can I put my energy in reducing this inflammation? And he was like, by taking the steroids. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're not picking up what I'm dropping, man. So it does feel really empowering to go into a doctor's office and not just take the first thing that they say and right. run with it. And like, especially when it's a diagnosis, like you have X cause then you spiral yeah. and you shame and you, you know, you take the medicine yeah. and yeah. And that's just it. It's, it's so yeah. depressing. Yeah. I think that empowerment, I mean, knowing the questions to ask, knowing that you have choices and your doctor isn't like, he is not trained to think this way. And so I don't always blame the doctors like, you know, the bedside manner, I think would be better, but I don't always blame like he's just doesn't, he's not trained to think this way. He doesn't have the time to think this way. And I disagree with the system that put him in that place. But um, I think it's on us as 
individuals and as patients just to know like, okay, this is, this is the conventional setting. He is here to treat my uveitis with his tools available. And I am empowered and knowledgeable to know that there's other options and I'm going to pursue those avenues. And he may not agree, but that's fine on him. Yeah. And I, I do love that. Um, like that functional medicine has become so at least in Colorado, I don't know how it is in the rest Mm -hmm. of the country, but at least in Colorado, it's become so attainable. Like you can literally go on Instagram and type in functional medicine and a million people are not a million, but like you're, you're going to have way more information at your fingertips than any doctor could ever have. And if you do get, so I got, um, I got hormone, my hormones tested. I was like, I've had two kids. I'm not in menopause. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I just want to know what my benchmarks are. And so I went and got my, my, um, hormones tested and there were some really easy changes that I could make. Like I started lifting and I'm taking ashwagandha now. And I'm like, because I was offered the the quick fix. And I said, no, what's the six month-ish fix? Yeah. And she was like, oh, I love that question. Here are your options. And I was like, great, awesome. But now I officially have way more information about my body than my doctor does. And so when things start I don't know, showing up or getting weird, I can go and say, Hey, here's where my levels were. Here's where they're at. What are the tools that you have available? So I do think it's really critical that people try really hard to take their own. And especially with like, you had mentioned Abby, the, the at home, the like gut biome test, like that's Mm -hmm. easy enough. You go take a poop, you grab some sample, like you do a finger prick. And then all of a sudden you have an incredible, more than you would ever need to know in the world, amount of information about what is actually going on in your body. Can you touch more on what those tests are like? Because you had recommended um, a couple and I know I've like probably been annoying and I'm like sending you ones like, Hey, should I use this one? And you're like, I already sent you ones to use, but (laughs) regardless, there's so many out there now, even like, I think I did Everly well, like that was a quick blood prick and just for nutrition. And it came back that like eggs are really inflammatory for me, which is interesting because we have like 15 chickens and I eat a dozen, like I I was eating a dozen eggs a week. So anyway, can you touch more on those tests and how empowering they are? So I have food sensitivity testing. Let's start there. That is a big discussion that I really, I think it is a money pit for a lot of people. Because what drives food sensitivities is an underlying gut dysfunction. And so you can test food sensitivities all you want, and you're going to have food sensitivities as long as you have the gut dysfunction. I mean, that is the root cause of the food sensitivities. So I. But there's no silver bullet, which I think people look for in this, like, oh, it's the eggs. Okay, now I'm healed. Right. 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 And so, and, and as long as you have, like, let's say leaky gut you're going to have food sensitivities and you're more likely to be reacting to the things that you're eating a lot of. And so if you remove those food sensitivities based on this test, but you don't go and address the underlying issue, then you're just going to create new food sensitivities. And then you're going to test again and then you're going to get frustrated. So I do not advocate for food sensitivity testing by itself. I use it because it is a helpful tool to... uh, take away this inflammatory source while we're working on the gut. So I will use it in conjunction with like GI map testing and other testing, whatever we're doing. But I don't ever advocate advocate for that by itself because I think it can 
And it can cause a bad food relationship too. Well, so for, for people, Abby, who are like, my gut's fine. I poop. Like, can you touch on without going into like a whole slew of detail? Most people don't recognize that even seasonal allergies can be impacted by your gut health. Like your gut health is like, I don't know. I feel like personally your gut is more important than your heart. Like your heart does all the work or it's, it's as important, but your gut feeds all these, all these other systems. And so uveitis, migraines, backaches, chronic pain, um, arthritis, seasonal allergies. Can you touch on like why gut health is the anchor of all, all health everywhere, forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, your gut. I mean, we have, I don't remember the statistic, but there's more, we have more um, DNA in our gut microbiome than we do as human beings than we we hold. So um, I, I don't remember the like number, but our gut microbiome dictates so much of our health. Whether you have a a too much inflammatory type species or too little of the good stuff or a mix of both, it's going to be a major contributor to just inflammation, which can lead to like excessive symptoms. I mean, you can have inflammation that leads to cardiovascular disease. You can have inflammation that leads to chronic pain. You can have um, gut issues and inflammation that predispose you or, or kind of push you on the trajectory towards an autoimmune condition. Um, I think you can pretty much link most things back to the gut, like skin symptoms. I think of the gut, chronic inflammatory, whatever migraines, pain, it can be the gut. It's not usually just, yeah, your GI symptoms. I mean, we might see like bloating or some abnormal bowel movements, but there's so much beyond that that links back to the gut. I think 80% of your immune system is housed in the gut. 95% of serotonin is produced in the gut. So like mental health issues, anxiety and depression often are linked to a gut issue. I don't work with anybody on anything without addressing the gut. It's so important. That's amazing. So what's, what's been your biggest hurdle, Abby, starting your business? And also you have a huge job of having to educate people before they ever even work with you. Like, I mean, what you're sharing right now, and I love nutrition is still like, Oh, I never realized that mental health and my gut were connected. Maybe that's why I've been Mm -hmm. anxious at night. You know, like it's what's, what's been your biggest hurdle so far starting, starting your business. So I think my biggest hurdle, honestly, has been social media. I don't. I am. It's the worst. It's, it's hard. I am. I have not found my groove. I am not. I'm not an introvert. I don't think I'm excessively extroverted. I can be judgmental on myself. So I have had a hard time with just putting myself the out there. The perfect concoction for social media. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just kind of, I think that's been my biggest challenge is, I mean, it's always hard building a business and and gaining clients and getting word out there. But I'm pretty confident when I see people in person, and I can have a discussion and I love talking about this. But knowing how to condense the information I have in my brain into like a trendy, quick video and putting my face out there and like subjecting myself to criticism has been hard for me. 
it is really hard, but for what it's worth, like I love, and I just touched on, you know, that I, th I personally thought that one of your biggest hurdles was educating people. I love the reels that you post that are bite-sized and educational because I save that stuff so fast. I'm like, Ooh, I got to come back to that. Ooh, I got to come back to that. Ooh, whenever I finally, after, you know, however many months schedule my call with Abby, I'm going to come <laughs> back to this and touch on this. And so I think that, I mean, for what it's worth, I love what you're putting out there. I don't know if that, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I think it's really, I think what you do is so special and important. And I think it's really cool whenever you put stuff out, I'm like, Ooh, I didn't know that. I got to save that for later. <laughs> Thanks. I love the education part. I mean, I think that's why I love what I'm doing so much is because I get to spend an hour or more with all of my clients and we can, and it's education. I mean, so much of this is education and I love it. I have, I have a public health degree too. And I think that that drives a lot of this desire to just like keep educating. Like everybody should know, everybody should be able to have this basic knowledge of an empowerment. I love it. So if people want to work with you, Abby, what does your current model look like? Like, how did you break up your meetings, educating, empowering? How does this look for, for what, what you're offering people right now? So I run basically two main programs. I do a, a little bit of a condensed gut focused four month option where I just look at the uh, gut microbiome test, food sensitivity test, and one other that looks at kind of nutrition status um, and other markers. And that is four months. Beyond that is six months. And that's where I incorporate a lot more of the hormones because each of these, each protocol is directed at some dysfunction and each protocol can take a minimum of a month. And so it takes a lot longer when we're working on a big hormonal dysfunction. Plus, there's a lot of lifestyle that goes into that too in learning how to manage stress and changing diet. So my six-month program is directed, it includes the gut stuff, and then I also add in more functional labs for hormones, and um, I'll use functional genomics or genetic testing too. So those are kind of my biggest, those are the biggest ways to work with me. I meet with everybody every other week because I, that helps people stay accountable. And, and then there's always communication. Like there's always questions you can ask me throughout the whole time we're working together. I think I'm, I'm very open. I'm very okay. If you're struggling, you know, that we can, I'm, I'm very okay with working with people beyond my plan, but that's typically what it looks like is we meet every other week throughout that time. We're going over lifestyle and diet and results and protocols and then I do have one other option that I've recently kind of come out with kind of like an intro. I think of it like an intro offer, which is a, it's a functional nutrition analysis, which goes way deeper than you're going to get drawing like a magnesium level or something. This looks at what's called organic acids, which are cellular metabolic breakdown products. And so again, it's a very biochemical cellular analysis of how you're functioning and what is not optimal. And so this is a program I run just this test. And I do three visits with me, like an initial consult, and then two follow ups. And that I think for people is a good way to get started. It's not going to be like, addressing the main, you know, all root causes, but it gives you an idea of dysfunction. Um, or it's a good check in when you're at a good place too, like once a year. So that's, that is usually how I work with people and it's all virtual. 
So I'm always that's amazing. Here. Yeah, I I love that it's all virtual. And I think, you know, for the person who's like six months, that's a long time. I mean, it's six months to change the rest of your life. Like, again, our culture is so obsessed with instant gratification, even based on the foods we eat. Like if it's not an immediate adrenaline hit, like why eat it? You know, eating quinoa is way less of 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 an adrenaline hit than like grabbing a Snickers bar. And so for for the person who does, who is kind of at the end of their rope or is in so much pain or has seen the doctor or who's even ready to get off of antidepressants or the mm-hmm. steroid they've been on their whole life. This is such a beautiful gift that you're offering, Abby. I love it. I love it so Thank much. You. Yeah. Abby, when was the last time that you didn't feel good enough? I think it's a, always a, I think I've struggled with imposter syndrome for you know yeah. all the whole time I've been in healthcare because you're in charge of people's lives and now you know taking money beyond insurance it's always there mm-hmm. um I always have I always have a, a slight feeling of you know I want to put out the best possible service and results but um you know I think that's been a struggle through I would say all of healthcare, but especially since starting this business the past few months is in growing it. Absolutely. Yeah. The, our, our itty bitty shitty committees are as loud, like they're louder than any other haters on, you know, social media right. or in the actual world or upset clients. I mean, our, our own voice is just so freaking loud and it's really depressing (laughs) to live inside of our heads sometimes. I totally understand. Abby, where can people find out more about you and what you are doing? So you can look me up on Instagram as Abigail Rose Wellness. I am on Facebook as well. And I have a website, abigailrosewellness.com. You can find me any of those places and schedule. Um, I do a free 15-minute consult for anybody who's interested in just talking through more of what I'm doing and seeing if we're a good fit. Awesome. Abby, thank you so much for being here today. And of course, we're going to put all of Abby's contact information in the show notes. And real quick, Abby, just because this is relatively new to me, and I think a lot of other people, can you see people since it is virtual outside of the state of Colorado? Or is it just clients in Colorado? Yep, I see anywhere right now, anywhere in the US. And eventually awesome. may expand that. Wherever you are. Awesome. (laughs) Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Abby. And thank you for tuning in today on the Fearless Vampire. We'll see you next time.